the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, Southern California. This is your host, Ed Carlson, and this is SoCal Live here on KKLA. I am so excited to be with you today. I had a great day with you yesterday, and we had some great guests, and we have got another great show for you today. We've got some topics that I think are going to uh, excite you, uh, but also challenge you. And uh, we've got some great guests as well, uh, local guests here in Southern California that I think that you're going just to love. Uh, and we're excited to highlight them and what the work that they're doing. But I just want to welcome you, uh, all those that are listening, uh, all the way from up in Camarillo, all the way through L.A. County, down into Orange County, even into San Diego County. And what most of you don't know, even a third of Mexico. That's a large, large group of people that are listening. What that means is this. I know that you're out there listening. You could be listening via radio uh, at 99.5 FM, or you could be actually listening through the KKLA app or KKLA.com and listen live there. I even know there's some that listen on iHeartRadio and other places. So however you're listening, welcome. It is Friday. We are excited to uh, uh, have you with us today. And uh, we got some uh, interesting topics we're going to be covering today. In our first hour, we're going to be talking about uh, racial division in our country. We're going to be talking about uh, the racial divide and the racial tension that uh, seems to be everywhere. You turn on the TV, the radio, you hear about it, you see it, maybe you're experiencing it. And not only that it's happening, because that's been happening for a long time, but also what we can do about it. And uh, it's one thing to talk about it. The media talks about it all the time. I thought about this the other day. I, you know, I was complaining about certain media things, and I was talking to somebody, and I go, well, I think, well, I'm the media too, I guess. So we've got to change that. We're going to talk about solutions. We're going to talk about hope today. And I want to get you in on the calls right away. I, I want, want you to call. Uh, you know what we're talking about, and uh, you can get calling right now to make sure that you get in today. So I'm just going to give you uh, that number really quick here. It's 888 888- 52 talks that's 888 52 talks and you can also uh, if you want to just uh, email us with a question or a comment you can do that uh, and you can do that at uh, socal live at kkla.com uh, but welcome i want to get started let's just get started right now because this is a big topic it's a thorough topic um, but i want you to think about this more than four in ten people say that this country hasn't made enough progress toward racial equality Think about that. 40%. That's quite a bit. Uh, four in 10 people say the country hasn't made enough progress toward racial equality. About six in 10 Americans, give you the exact amount, it's 58%, but about six in 10 Americans say that race relations in the U.S. are bad, and of those, few see them improving. So not only do they think that they're bad, but there's also a uh, glass is half empty and, and, and a, a pessimistic view about them improving. Uh, two-thirds say it's becoming more common for people to express racist views over the last decade. About 8 in 10 blacks, 78%, say the country hasn't gone far enough when it comes to giving black people equal rights with whites, and fully half say it's unlikely that the country will eventually achieve racial equality. Uh, going to the church now, and I like to kind of sometimes some of our uh, segments give some stats just so it kind of gives us a platform of conversation, uh, maybe for those that are listening that maybe haven't really thought about this topic. 
Um, gives you kind of an understanding what, what we're talking about and where we're coming from. But uh, if we talk about the church, I mean, we know that's the world, and we'll have some, uh, we have some conversations centering around how the world operates and how the world operates different than us that are followers of Christ, and, and there's a big difference. But we need to understand where our world is at. We need to be like the Bible says, the men of Issachar, and understand the temper of our times, where we're at, what's happening. But if we look to the church now, things are kind of interesting there too, um, and not too— it's not too good of a look either, but here's what we, we find out. National Congregation Study uh, it was a study that was done by Mark Chavez of Duke University. Uh, they've been tracking multiracial congregations in the United States since 1998. So this isn't a fly-by-night study. This is something in 1998. We're working on almost 25 years, a quarter of a century uh, study done by Mark Chavez and his group at, at Duke University says as of 2019, so we're a couple years back, but we all know what happened in 2020. Maybe, maybe they couldn't even do any kind of studies. But as of, as of 2019, it's close enough for us to get some good numbers. As of 2019, 16% of all congregations across all faiths, that's a, that's a key term of all faiths, of all faith groups, could be described as racially or ethnically diverse. Only 16% could be described as racially or ethnically diverse. So what that means is, is that 84% would be considered racially or ethnically just one, whether that's white, whether that's Hispanic, Asian, African-American, whatever. Uh, so we have some, some, uh, some work to do in the church as well. At 16%, that's not a good number. Uh, we've got a problem there because I know that heaven is going to look a lot bit different than that. The gospel, here's my take. I, I want to give you my take before we go to the call, before we go to your calls, before I bring in our guest. Um, here's my take. The gospel announces, among many things, that Jesus died for the sins of diverse groups of humans and that, that God raised him from the dead and that he now reigns with the Father over all things in heaven and on earth. And as we look at the gospel, we realize this, and this is the simple gospel that all have sinned. And that, but here's the key, that God has acted in history by sending his son to unify all things and all people in Christ. We can find that in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 and all the way going through verse, uh, chapter 3. That he came to, of course, yes, save our souls. He died for our sins to deliver sinners from this present evil age. And guess what? Racism is part of this evil age. Did you know that racism has been taking place from the very beginning of time? This is not anything new that just popped up on the scene uh, over the last few years. But God has acted to unify all things and all people in Christ. And so by faith in Christ, Jesus' blood and resurrection reconcile, in other words, brings back together a diversity of humans into one transformed and ethnically and racially diverse Christian community. In other words, Christ came to save all people, and, and, and not only to save all people from their sins, but also to unify that diverse group of people of every tribe and of every tongue under one banner, and that banner is Christ. And so at the end of the day, we must go back to how the Scripture generally and how the gospel specifically, so we can look at the Bible, generally speaking, as well as look at the gospel specifically, and we got to go back there, not, not to 
what the world is saying, not to what our political affiliation is saying, not to uh, what, what our family is saying, but go back to the Bible, go back to Scripture to help us to frame our understanding and action along the lines of race. See, God's Word is a standard. That's what matters. Everything else is just what I call noise. And we have to have some poise under the noise. I believe in what Hebrews twelve fourteen says. It says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That's a strong statement. But see, the current concept or philosophy that we're seeing in our world, and dare I say the social justice movement at times, is completely incompatible with biblical Christianity. See, there's two competing worldviews in, in our current, what I call our current cultural moment that we're living in. Two opposing views, and there always has been, and this is what I love kind of about where we're at in our world right now, is because nothing is muddled. We are now at a point where things are pretty much black and white when it comes to morality, black and white, as far as like who stands where. But there's two competing worldviews in this current cultural moment. One is what is called the critical social justice view. And I don't got time to talk about that. If you can go back, you can go back a couple months, and I covered the topic. Uh, you can go on uh, KKLA.com and scroll all the way back down. I believe in November we covered this, which assumes critical social justice, that the world is divided between the oppressors and the oppressed. The other worldview is what we refer to as biblical justice, which, without going too deep in there, also just really, in a general saying, reflects God's character, true, divine justice that's rooted in his character. Therefore, biblical justice is pure, always upholding good and denouncing evil, and those two are very important. You can't just uphold good without denouncing evil. You've got to do both of them. But see, the difference is this. Biblical justice asks these questions first and foremost. And this is huge. If we, if we would get to this place in our country, and I understand our country is never going to be fully godly, fully uh, biblical viewpoint, Judeo-Christian view. I get that. But if we could get to this, because this is what biblical justice asks, true biblical justice. Three questions. Number one, who determines what is just? See, right now, we got a lot of people in our country, in our world, that, that think that they get to determine what is just. Depending on what side of the fence you sit on, we all have people, there, there, there's people or, or figureheads that, that people look to to determine what is just. The reality of it is there's only one who gets to determine what is just, and that is God himself. The second question is this, by what standard do we know what is right or fair? We hear a lot about fairness, a lot about rights, a lot about, but... but Again, it kind of goes along with the first one. What standard do we know? By what standard do we know what is right and what is fair? And thirdly, it's a big one. What is due or owed to each one of us according to Scripture? What is due or owed to each one of us? And we get those answers from the Holy Word of God. It is his word that we go to when we, when we say we're going to have a Christian viewpoint. We're going to have a, you know, this live show that we do every day from 3 to 5 here on KKLA. It's broadcast all over. It is a biblical perspective on current events. Well, that's what we're doing. And so in order to have a biblical perspective on current events, we have to go to the Bible. And so that's what we're going to do today. 
Biblical justice is defined by God and God alone. And second, we know what true, final, and perfect justice will ultimately be. It'll be rendered by God to each man after his death. And while man-made systems of justice may fail, nothing gets by God. Even though divine justice serves as a comforting backstop, God makes it clear that he wants mankind to strive to render true justice, even in this fallen world. And you know what that looks like? It's the delivery of the Ten Commandments and God's golden rule. And those two things should serve really as a moral baseline for all rightly structured systems of human laws and judicial enforcement, as well as healthy relationships between all of us, despite the color of our skin. William Wolfe defined biblical, defined biblical justice this way. He said, biblical justice can thus be defined like so, treating others in all areas of life in such a way as to uphold God's revealed standards of good and evil, giving them what they are due as image bearers and rendering judgments through duly enacted means of human judicial enforcement that punish wrongdoers and reward the injured accordingly. It's a powerful statement. I almost have to unpack that, that, that whole little uh, phrase by William Wolfe at a later time. I always go back to Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Man, if we could live by that. So let's talk about the topic of race. I want to hear from you. Give us a call at 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-52-TALKS. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about race. Let's talk about racial division in our country. Uh, let's talk about biblical justice. Let's talk about what is biblical justice uh, and our part in that. And to do that today, I have my good friend, Reverend Royce Porter. Pastor Royce uh, Porter is a native of Los Angeles, where he was raised and com- uh, completed his education at eight years old, I love this, Pastor Porter accepted the opportunity to speak to the congregation at Wesley UMC. While standing on a water stool, he shared his first message. That moment changed his life forever. And while growing up, he was very active in his youth group and choir. But by the age of 18, he was a youth director, youth director at Wesley UMC. In 2014, he was appointed as a pastor of Crenshaw UMC in Los Angeles. Pastor Porter is a graduate of Cal State University Northridge and Claremont School of Theology. And Pastor Porter resides in Los Angeles with his wife, Liz, and their four children. Royce, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Now, one of the things you don't know about Royce, me and Royce go way back. We actually went to (laughs) school together. And uh, and so it's so good to have him uh, with us today. He's got uh, uh, some great experience working uh, in the inner city, but also we go back a long time, all the way back to our uh, junior high days, high school days, and, uh, and spent a lot of time together. We actually... Yeah, we did a lot of stuff. But anyway, uh, that's another time. Um, another time. Well, you heard my op- opening monologue. Um, we have a lot of road to cover this hour. So um, give us your opening thoughts on the issue of racial division, biblical justice, and all points in between. I, you know, just a little synopsis of, of kind of your thoughts as you, you're preparing for the show. Like, yeah, that's a lot, but we'll, right. we'll, we'll, we'll deconstruct it in, in, in a little bit, but just your original thoughts. Well, originally, um, I, I think we need to be very clear on the fact that uh, God is not colorblind. And I think we sometimes assume that the things that are going on in the world are not supposed to go on in the church. Well, the problem is, is that the church now has become very much mixed up with the culture 
And it's trying to figure out exactly how do we work that. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. But yet we are to transform the world for Christ. Well, that means we get muddled and mixed up with some of the things that are going on in the world currently. And uh, we have to understand that if, if, if God is not colorblind, I also want to then say, but he is not also then blinded by color. Amen. Okay. And so what we need to understand then is, is how do we work within that context? If you look at the stats that you gave, uh, 16% of all uh, uh, faiths, uh, multicultural, but then that's a big group of 84%. Well, why is that? Well, look at where we live. If you begin to look at where we live currently, we tend to go to worship in the neighborhoods and the communities of where we are. So if we are not diverse in our communities, how can we expect our congregations to be actually just as diverse? Which that point right there, and I'll, I hate to interrupt you, but that point right there, gosh, we could unpack that. Oh, yeah. Multiple reasons why there's not in our communities mm-hmm. a, a multiple Plicity of different races, right? Correct. Which goes back to the crime, goes back to Everything. how these things are, you know, yeah, all that stuff. But go, go ahead. Right. And so we, we then have to figure out how do we come together? And I think we have to be very clear. Uh, one thing that uh, I'm looking at at this point in time is that we're gearing up for the Olympics. We are literally gearing up for the Olympics that are happening. And um, everyone is going to come out. They're going to come out in that big arena, wherever it is, and they are going to be under one flag or there's going to be a flag that is in front of them. The Americans are going to come out, Ed. They're going to come out. And when they come out, they're going to come out with the American flag, and everybody's going to be waving the American flag. And in that group of those that are waving the flag— it's going to be a diverse group of people. Yeah. And they well, identify— the most diverse country. Exactly. And yeah. they're going to identify as who? Americans. And so what we have to understand then is, why can't we do this in the church? Why can't we... (laughs) Or in our cultures and our communities. Exactly. But we need to be under one banner, and that banner is Christ. It doesn't matter if you are... uh, uh, Your church is all white, if your church is all black, if your church is all Asian, Latino, doesn't matter. We are under one banner, which is Jesus Christ. And therefore, we need to function like we are in the kingdom. If I say I'm a Christian and going to live Christ-like, then I must live under the principles under that kingdom. And the problem is we're not doing that. Instead, we're we're in the church. We are uh, against each other. We've got black churches and white churches. Since when do we identify, put an identifier before the church? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, We we got just a a short amount of time, so I'm going to have to ask you to answer this real quickly uh, um, before we go to our uh, first break. But in our culture, we've we've seen subjective opinion elevated to the level of of, of objective truth. Opinion, subjective opinion over truth. If a person embraces his truth, right, or her truth, then everyone else is supposed to embrace that as truth as well, at least in certain politically correct circles, right? Um, and if you don't, then you are sexist, racist, or whatever name they want to call you. That's the message that is being perpetrated. Uh, but how do we get anywhere with regards to racial unity if that is – and I love what you said about the Olympics. I want to come back to that in, in, the, in the next break. But how do we – get anywhere with regards to racial unity if that is the basis of all conversations on the topic, especially since subjective truth has no part in the Christian life. No. So, so how do we, we can't go anywhere with that then, right? No, we can't. Yeah. We, we can't. I mean, so once again, like you said earlier, your truth is your truth. Yeah. But what is it based on? Exactly. 
and for us, if we're going to live kingdom, then our truth must go back to who? Christ. Yeah. So the closer we are to Christ, that's who we identify with. So it's not my truth. It's his truth. It's, and where do we get this truth? From the word of God. Yeah. So that's where we then get into some other things. Well, the word of God. Where does it come from? Who wrote it? Is it inspired? That's when we get in debate. And the thing is that if the Bible is going to be the infallible word of God, then that's what we have to stick to. That is where we gain our truth from. Yeah. Just real quick, in, in less than a minute, um, this whole idea of Olympics, that's an interesting, interesting way of looking at it, right? Because it's so true. In about, uh, well, next month, right? We're going to be doing that. We're going to be waving the American flag. Um, I hate to do this for you. In 30 seconds, why, why do we have a hard time doing that in our communities? Because we do. And we're going to talk about the church in a little bit next segment, but our communities sure do. Because we are an individualistic society where we only focus on our wants and our needs. And that isn't what Christ did. It's about the community. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Well, we got a lot to talk about. I want to see those uh, those phone lines light up, guys. I know you have a take on uh, the racial division that we are experiencing. Maybe you're experiencing. Maybe you're experiencing it uh, amongst family members, friends, or maybe in the community that you live. And I, I want your take. What what do you think? What is the answer to the racial divide that we see in our country? How do we help as as followers of Christ? How do we help? make that or, or end that racial divide and move closer and closer to what God wants us to, and that is to be at peace with all and to love our brothers and sisters no matter the color of their skin. Well, we got a lot to cover. Uh, when we get back, we're going to be continuing our conversation with Royce Porter uh, on this issue of racial divide in our country and racial tension, looking a bit, little bit more deeper at within the church. And uh, we'll still be taking your call, so give us a call right now, right now at 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-52-TALKS. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after the break. It's your Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. That in the midst of all of this, in the midst of these discussions about um, social justice and race and sex and you know, all these other things. At the end of the day, the question is, what does God say about us? What does God say about us? And is what God says about us sufficient? And when we start talking about who we are, in Christ. When we start talking about our unity in Christ, our, our brotherhood and our relationships, do we believe that the Bible is sufficient in that regard? And one of the scariest things about all of this talk is that we're beginning to see a new hermeneutic develop. Where now sin is institutional as opposed to being in the heart of man. That was Vadi Bakum speaking uh, in Florida from Ephesians chapter 2 uh, on the topic of racial division in our world. Uh, man, 
powerful some powerful statements right there just in that little audio clip but i want to welcome you back you guys are listening to socal live here on kkla and kprz in san diego uh we've been discussing the topic of racial division uh racial reconciliation through the gospel and through biblical justice and if you want to jump in on the conversation i want you to give us a call we got our phone lines are lighting up right now give us a call at 888-52-TALKS that's 888-52-TALKS and we'll get to you You can also send us an email at uh, socallive at kkla.com and uh, shoot us a question or a comment, and we'll get it on uh, on the air as well. Uh, but I'm so excited to have with me uh, today for this first hour, Pastor Royce Porter from Crenshaw UMC, and I want to get it back to it. But before we do, we've got a call from a Mike in Calabasas that wants to talk about racial division. Mike, what's your take, buddy? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. I'm a child of parents from the South, but I grew up in Los Angeles, and, you know, I don't see what they have always taught me to see because I grew up through a different set of lenses. But what I found is when we turn to God and say, hey, God, just help me through this moment. Help me through this situation. Because life is, is strange. We get nervous as followers and believers in Christ. You know, we fall out of track. But if we look toward him and his direction, and this is each of us, one, each other, looking at another, not looking at the the group meetings, because we all have our prejudices, you know, and it's part of human nature. The whole word racism is, has been taken out of text, but it's not right, but we can always work on it and ask God to lead us to a better place where we are today. And in time, we'll grow to understand and love and acknowledge each other just on a humanistic level. Obviously, the brother Christ level is best, but accepting people just because they're there, that we can get to the heart of their needs. Hey, Mike, that's a great call, man. Great uh, take. Give us a call back anytime. We'll uh, take our response uh, uh, off the the line. But uh, uh, Royce, that's a great call. Great take. I love it. We love what Mike said. Mike is on point. Um, And and I love he said that that he's grown up in Los Angeles and he really sounds like me, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, really, um, in regards to the fact of how we've grown up. And it's a different lens. It's it's not looking past the injustices uh, that have gone on in our communities that that is present. And we understand that. But somehow you have to work within that system and ask yourself the question, if there is unrest, are you bringing peace? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're called to do. And, and granted, we see a lot of issues that are going on out there. But where are we in the as the role of Christians? What are we doing? Are we creating more problems yeah. or are we actually healing the problem? Yeah. Royce, like uh, as we talk about this, like, you know, all the guys that are listening online or whatever, you're not here in the studio. And so there's there's an element to this whole topic I'm really passionate about, Royce. Uh, it, it puts tears in my eyes at times. Even right now, as we're sitting here talking about it, I've got uh, folks that have been texting in uh, into my phone and, and uh, telling me they're listening, and, and so happy that we're we're talking about this this topic. Um, here's here's what why it hurts me, Royce. I, I, and and I want to talk about this because it segues right into the whole thing about Christians. And um, I, I grew up. I want to talk about it, make it personal in the, in the time that we have in our second segment, like. I said earlier, me and Royce have known each other for a long time. I, I, I grew up in South Central area. I, I grew yeah. up, I lived in between like Jordan High School and Dominguez High School. Um, that's where I lived. Um, and, and so, and I thank God that I lived there 
even during the 80s, during the, the major gang time, <laughs> gang riots that were taking place in the 80s. It was crazy yeah, in the 80s. Crazy times. Um, and so, but here we are sitting in this studio. And for those of you that, that aren't here, can't see us, Royce Porter, Porter African-American, Ed Carlson, white. I mean, we, we can see that with our eyes, of course. But I, 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 it's worked for decades for our relationship, Royce. We, yeah. We've never had an issue. I, I've got uh, many friends that, <laughs> that are African-American, Hispanic, Asian, uh, and, and likewise on their side. It's not just a white to black. It's a black to white. I, I have a hard time understanding and I know that sounds crazy as as a pastor but I have a hard time understanding the mind of somebody because why has it worked for us right there's never been a problem whatsoever Royce with our relationship you've known me for for decades you've never seen in my life any kind of racial bone in my body a racist bone in my body right um for for us why can't I guess that my question is why can't everybody just be like us <laughs> they've got to go through it yeah. And, and I think that's some of what it is, is that when you are put together, and I think for, for, for you and I, Ed, um, remember, we were on a basketball team together. Yeah. We were on a basketball team together. And, you know, we had to work together. I was the point guard, you playing yeah. the forward position, and yeah. we worked together as a team, and we accomplished many great things. But when you're working together, there's something that changes everything. We don't use those identifiers. No. Yes, no. I am an African-American. Yes, I am a black man. Yes, you are a white man. But we don't use those identifiers. No. I don't see you. I, yes, I know you're white. You know I'm black. But we don't look at it from I, that I standpoint. Really, I, you're right because I, there's, you know, uh, I, when we're together, when I'm together with other friends, like, I, I love what you said. Or like, God's not colorblind. But he also doesn't use the color of our skin as an identifier either. Like, and so I don't identify. You don't identify. We don't come together and go, hi, Royce. Uh, I'm your white friend, Ed. Exactly. Hey, never. Hey, come on. <laughs> but I really don't that's even. That's my friend, I Ed. I don't see you. I, I don't see you. That's as my, my brother. That's my brother. Exactly. You're my brother. And that's what it's all about. And yeah. somehow we've got to get back to that, to where we're not using all these different identifiers. There is but one that we identify with, and that is Jesus Christ. And we have got, as the church, to move back to understanding that by Christ we are all saved yeah, yeah. by the blood of it, his blood. We are made whole. Yeah. I mean, the church, the church has, has stumbled over this issue for far too long. We have stumbled over it really. I mean, it, it with, with little progress or resolution and, and, and we can talk, maybe I'll have you back at a later time. We can talk about kind of the community issue of that. And I, cause I love that you said that because that is so true, but here's the deal. As you said, we're all one in Christ. We're all one in Christ. And yet we have remained racially divided even within the church sometimes within well, so-called Christians, right? Is it a choice, though, Ed? No. Is it a choice to— Is it? But because we are still racially divided in the church, mm -hmm. is it because we choose to be racially divided? Or are we really working to change that whole mindset? Yeah, I don't know. If we, I, I don't think—that's my point. I don't think that we are purposely— working together to fix this. You know, I, I wish I had some time to, to do it, but we there, there was a great thing that the Assemblies of God, uh, the domination that I'm a part of, the Church of God in Christ, uh, 
prior to Bishop Blake retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a number of years ago. George Wood, uh, who was the just uh, just recently passed away, was a great um, superintendent of our denomination. Him and, and Blake got together because Assemblies of God and Church of God in Christ used to be one uh, domination prior to their split ba- back in the early 1900s. Right. Uh, and, and so one of the things that they began to do is this ra- racial type of reconciliation of going like, how do we do more things together? And I go, man, that, that's good. This is good. Um, and so how do we continue doing that? But, but unfortunately, I, I, I want to see more of that because I, I, I would agree with you. I'd say, uh, I don't say, I don't think that Christians are choosing to be r- racially divided. I, don't, I think down in the depth of core of who we are, we don't want to be. Uh, when I say we, I'm not talking about me, trust right. me, but I'm talking about the church universal. Uh, but we have unfortunately chosen not to be an active participant in a resolution for it. Because we assume it's not there. Exactly. Yeah. We yeah. assume that it's not there in the church, but it is. So yeah. Jesus Christ came on the earth and the, he was with his disciples and the disciples watched Jesus. Jesus was modeling how the disciples, he wanted them to act. Mm-hmm. The church has missed it. We are not actively modeling this unity in Christ in the world. We're hiding behind the walls of our beautiful congregations and we're not moving out into the communities and intentionally sharing and showing and modeling what this unity means. How can I expect the world to do right if the church is not doing it? Well, and it's going to in order for the church to do that, it's going to require all sides. Yes. to sacrifice. I'm serious. Like, and I think yeah. that's a big part of it, too. We have become comfortable in the Western church. Uh, we get comfortable in our own thing that we like, mm-hmm. our own ways that we do things. And so I believe, I believe it's possible because we serve a risen king. But I also know that in order to do that, it's going to take uh, – it, it's going to require all of us to make some sacrifices on a lot of things. To say, let's do this together. Yes. Let's do this together more. Well, we got still a lot to talk about. When we get uh, back, we're going to kind of uh, uh, put a put a bow around this conversation with regards to the church and uh, and around uh, what we as individual Christians can do. And uh, we're going to land the plane on this. And, and hopefully, when we get out of here in this first hour, you're going to have some hope uh, about what's happening in our country and how you uh, can be a major, major part of what God is doing. And I believe God's doing something incredible. But listen, it's always dark before the dawn. Yes. And I believe God is doing something incredible. He's going to use his church, as he always does, to do some incredible things with regards to racial tension in our country. Well, uh, so excited that you're listening. Give us a call, 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-52-TALKS. Or shoot us an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We want to hear you. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back as your Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. Well, welcome back, everybody. I just want to take some time and just listen to that song right there by Maverick City. Love yes. it. Welcome back. You're listening to SoCal Live here on KKLA. I am your host, Ed Carlson, and uh, we have spent this first hour talking about racial tension and division in our country, in our churches, uh, along with what the Bible has to say and about biblical justice. And uh, we have been blessed to have my good friend uh, and Pastor Royce Porter, who is the pastor of Crenshaw UMC. Uh, Thanks for being with us today, man. I've really enjoyed it. It's been, number one, great seeing you, and uh, 
but it's been a great topic. Oh, good times. Good times as always. Yeah. Uh, let's get back to this. So uh, we got a call. We, we see you there. John out of Long Beach. We'll see you. We'll get you there in just a second. We'll, uh, we'll get to that call. But uh, Dr. King said this famous one that um, we've all, all heard, but it says, I look to a day when people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Powerful, powerful phrase. We, we, we talked a little bit earlier. You know, people always forget that Dr. King was a pastor. Yes. <laughs> we Number forget one. about that. Yeah. Number first and foremost, he was a pastor. Uh, but, but with how our political parties act, and, and, I, and, I, and I really do mean that, both political parties, how they act, and how other powerful people in our world act and talk, uh, do you ever feel like we are going in the opposite direction? Yes. <laughs> Pretty simple response there. <laughs> you can already see. We're going in the opposite direction totally um, because we're, we, once again, what do we identify with? Who do we identify with? And so with? how do we stop that? Because, I mean, we're going to talk in a second about the media. I mean, you got, uh, I think it's like 58% of voters believe that the media is the enemy. Yet the media is the one really ultimately, you know, uh, again, I am the media, so I need to own that same. But, you know, <laughs> you know me, I, I, I'm fighting the battle, right. trying to fight the battle here. Uh, but it's true. How do, how do we, if, we're, if they're taking us in the wrong direction, what do we do? Or what do people do? Somehow we have to reclaim it, and I yeah, think that's yeah. what it is. I, I, if I look at um, the, the church, we moved into politics is yeah. what we did. Uh, yeah. We moved yeah. into politics in order to try to reclaim the world. You cannot use man-made things, systems, yeah. man-made systems to try to change it because Amen. it's not of God. Yeah. So we've got to pull ourselves out of that because that – Political peace is destroying not just our country, but it's dividing our churches at this current time. Yeah, which then then takes it back to pastors. You and I are pastors. Yes. Uh, But churches aren't talking about it. How should pastors teach on this topic? Well, pastors need to teach on it. They they need to really go through the fact that and, and understand that it's present. I mean, I think when all this was starting to come up over the last year, I mean, even though it's been present forever, it's just the fact that. Oh, we didn't know that racial, we don't have racial issues in our church. Well, of course you don't have racial issues in your church because they all look the same. It's the same group, ethnic group that is in the church. Well, why is that? And granted, we go back to the culture and the community of where we are. But what if someone outside that ethnic group showed up into that church how would they respond? Yeah, I truly believe that every church would welcome and receive, but sure. it's just not being modeled. Well, and, and let me say this to pastors. So, pastors, if you're listening, and, and I'm not—I'm a pastor, so I'm not—I'm not trying to shame anybody at all. We're all—we got to just work on it, right? We got to give grace to each other and, and, and mercy to each other. But let me say this because I'm—I'm I'm telling you, this is what I do sometimes. If I look out, or if we all look out in our congregation, and it all looks like us, then pastors, we got to talk about it more. Yeah, there's a problem. We've got, we got to make some changes. Now, our church, praise God, does not. Right. Uh, but we've made some purposeful strides so that it doesn't. Correct. And I'm in Huntington Beach. Right. <laughs> we'll just leave that there. And so, I'm so, in South L.A., yeah. and the issue is that we don't have that. We have yeah. many different groups that are there within the church and yeah. within the community. And that's yeah. the thing. Even if in the pews it may be one. I can guarantee you that the community is diverse. Well, then what do you do? You go to your community and you serve the community right where you are. And as you serve, model Christ. 
they are going to be drawn in. Yeah. I love what Derwin Gray, uh, Derwin Gray has uh, one of the pastors at Transformation Church, but uh, he has a new book coming out called How to Heal a Racial Divide. Mm. And I want to encourage you guys to get it, but I just want to read an excerpt from it. Uh, I grabbed this the other day. It says, the Bible is not colorless. So when people ask me why I talk about race in my sermons, he says, I describe it this way. The reason I preach about race so much is that the Bible does. Yes. The reason I preach against the sin of racism so much is because the Bible does. The reason I preach ethnic unity in the church so much is that the Bible does. The reason I preach about ethnic unity so much is that Jesus and the Apostle Paul did. Paul even went so far as to say that when God's people are unified across ethnic lines, the demonic realm is put on notice that Jesus has won the battle. God, I love that. Yes, yes. According to Paul, ethnic unity among his children is an eternal desire of God's heart. God has forever purposed through Jesus' sinless life, sacrificial death on the cross, and resurrection to create a multi-ethnic family. Racism, racial injustice, and disunity are invasive parasites that must be eradicated from his church. The Bible is not colorless. Rather, it is full of different ethnicities across the Old and New Testament. If we take ethnicity out of the Bible, Jesus would not be a Jew. The woman at the well would not be a Samaritan. Pharaoh would not be an Egyptian. Cornelius would not be an Italian. And I'll, and I'll end it with this because it's so good. He says this. He said that um, there would be no Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Gergesites, Hivites, and Jebusites. <laughs> it wouldn't matter that Jonah was called to preach to the Assyrians. There would be no story about the, the Good Samaritan. There would be no Ethiopian eunuch. There would be no Revelation 5, 9, and 10. And, I'll, and this is the last part I'll say that he wrote because this is good. This is the end of time. You and I, all of us, Royce, it says, and they sang a new song. You, God, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on earth forever and ever. Man. So good. So good. Uh, I've got a, just a couple more questions here, Royce. Uh, man, such a great topic. I'm going to have you back. We're going to talk more about it. But uh, an interesting poll uh, that was done this past July said this is a, a new national telephone and online survey by Rasmussen reports that 58% of likely U.S. voters, at least somewhere, agree that the media are truly the enemy of the people, including 34% who strongly agree. Um, what part of our racial issues in America are related to the media? or political parties that use it as fodder for their own benefit? The media is the instigator of the divide. And, 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 and what they continue to do is, is separate us is what's going on. Yep. Um, I mean, the media has its own agenda, and we have to be clear on that. They have an agenda of what they want to do. Some of it's good, some of it's not good. But once again, you got to pick and choose. Yep. As Christians, we once again must go back to our truth. And, and, and I think we, we, we have to hear this, and everyone that's listening to me, we need to be clear. We've got to stop allowing these man-made things to divide us. Yep. These things, and that, that's politics, which is man-made, that's media, man-made, all that stuff. Stop allowing that stuff to divide the body of Christ. It's not of us. We can't change that stuff. And instead of trying to make it change it, we need to live our truth so then that way we can influence them mm. to make a change. Yeah. If we're going to look like the world, we're not going to go out and be a light to the world. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get us preaching there, preachers. All right. Well, I'm going to take real quick John from Long Beach. John, are you there? Yes, I am here. Good to talk to you, Eddie and Royce, again. I'm proud of you guys. 
Man, John, I didn't know that was you when I first looked at it. I think Royce figured out who it I was. Did, but as soon as John, Long Beach. <laughs> this is John, our good friend. John is a good friend of ours that we went to school with. John is the actual uh, he is the uh, actual owner of, of Chick-fil-A, the Long Beach Town Center. So if you're around that Long Beach Town Center, go and just spend about $1,000 at, uh, at, at, at Chick-fil-A. John, we only got about, we only got about two minutes, brother. What, what's, well, what's on your mind? Take, I'm going to take 60 seconds and give those 60 seconds back to you, the additional. So I'm going to be brief, be bright, and be gone. But look, what you guys are doing is so relevant and important. I appreciate you guys. Uh, stay the task because this is so, so important. It, it's definitely needed. I agree with what you said, Royce. Like, the media is so divisive. Um, if people just turn that stuff off and go out and live a little bit, like, there's way more, more stuff that connects us than what divides us. Yes. So we got to keep that in mind. You guys are teaching that and walking that, and I appreciate that. And then uh, secondly, I was just going to say, like, with uh, organizations like churches and businesses, it's one thing to have people in the, in the pews that are diverse and people, like, that work for me that are diverse, but your leadership team's got to be diverse. I'm not saying, like, go after quotas or anything, but just genuinely look for the best of the best people, and you'll naturally just get, kind of organically, just get a, a different mix of people that work and uh, worship together. So, And then the last point I was just going to make is, like, man, when John wrote in Revelation 7 that he looked out and he saw, you know, a multitude of people just from every nation and tribe and tongue, like, if you can't get it together here with racial issues and and just getting with other people that don't look like you, like, don't go to heaven because you're going to be out of place. <laughs> and at the end of the day, man, like, that's where we're headed. Like, we are all going to be with different types of people and tongues, and that's the ultimate goal. So uh, we'll all be together one day in unity, and I appreciate you guys for what you're doing. John, you're the man, dude. Listen, I don't know if you – I know you're an owner of Chick-fil-A, but you sound like a preacher. <laughs> Come on now. It's coming. It's coming. Stop it. Stop it. Don't go there. Oh, John, thank you so much, dude. I love you uh, to death, man. I love you. You're the, you're the man, and I appreciate all your support. And uh, like I said, uh, guys, go out to Long Beach Town Center and uh, go to Chick-fil-A. John does a great I, – and I mean this, not just because he's one of my best friends, but he has one of the best Chick-fil-A's around. He yes, does he a does. great job. He yes, runs he a tight ship. It is incredible. So, John, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you two soon. We've got to catch up some more on this. We will. Yes, absolutely. We'll see. We'll see you for dinner in February. On yeah, you. God bless you guys. On you. <laughs> uh, Royce, thank you so much for being here, man. I, 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 will you come back? Oh, definitely. definitely. Awesome, awesome. You tell, you tell your congregation at uh, Crenshaw that uh, this white guy loves them. You let them know. <laughs> and they'll know that I love you that's too, That's right. Ed. That's right. <laughs> guys, uh, listen, I just want to give you my final thoughts. Uh, here's the deal. To suppose that a change to systems can solve our cultural and racial problems is to underestimate sin. Uh, can systemic change help? Sure. Uh, when done the right way, through unified, humble, and diverse representation, sure. But systems are led, as Roy said a little bit earlier, systems are led and populated by people who have been touched with the effects of humanity's downfall into sin. Politicians cannot save. Government cannot save. Racial organizations cannot save. Only Jesus himself can save us both in our present cultural situation and for eternity. The human heart must change in order for our world to do so, and only Jesus has the power to bring the spiritually dead to life. Without Christ at the center, folks, listen, we're going to continue the pointless pursuit of peace apart from Christ, which is not a reality. And I leave you with this. 
from Paul to Ephesians. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Well, that's our last hour. Coming in our next hour, we're going to have my good friend Ron Brown. Stick with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this, so that this Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.